Hi, this is Alina Kanner and Megan Barrington, and you're listening to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast, where we dive into all things health, wellness, and fitness. We are two certified athletic trainers who met and graduated together from the University of Arkansas, and we wanted to do this podcast to spread our joy about treating our bodies well through nutrition, exercise, and knowledge. Today, we welcome Casey Aiken on Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. Casey is a doctor of physical therapy based out of Fort Worth, Texas, where she owns and runs her own business, PRISM. Casey completed her education at University of Texas Medical Branch, where she received her doctorate of physical therapy. Casey is Postural Restoration Institute certified, and she's also becoming a faculty member for the institute. I met Casey when she taught my myokinematic restoration course back a couple months ago in New York. I learned so much in that class and my mindset had really changed on how I view anatomy and how I view movement. And I thought, what a great opportunity it would be to have her on our podcast. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Casey, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. So I met you at my PRI course recently. It was a couple months back. And I just had to ask you to be on the podcast because you were such a great teacher and so much knowledge. So I'm just really excited to to like hear what you can bring to our show and our listeners. Um, but we just want to get started on like what is your background and how and we'll talk about PRI eventually. But uh, yeah, your background and what you're currently doing. So um, first off, thank you for that compliment. As I've told everyone, when I was in New York City. That was my first time to teach solo for that amount of time because there's I'm through I'm kind of going through the training process. So the fact that you said that means that I faked it really good. So because it was uh, it's pretty nerve wracking getting up in front of 45 people and telling them this foreign concept. Some people because there was I think 90% newbies in there. So I really appreciate that. Um, and then also you were my ride to the airport in yeah. Texas. That's like. <laughs> southern hospitality to its finest and we love that and so um i really appreciate that first yeah off. <laughs> um, i think living in arkansas taught me some southern hospitality because i'm not a true new yorker at this point <laughs> yeah when i was flying out of the airport that doesn't have public transportation but even if it did i wouldn't even know what to do like we only drive cars in texas if you take a bus you have no idea where it's going to take you um and so like y'all subway system and all that, the whole time I was there, I just Ubered. I'm like Uber, put it in my little directions with the computer. I know it'll get me there. Otherwise I'm going to be late by an hour. Yeah. So well, it's just funny you see the different Alina's always late. I am. She's literally <laughs> always late. Yeah. The in New York though, you can blame the MTA. I could just be like, yeah. oh, my subway was not working. But next yeah. time you're in New York, we have to take you on the subway. That's the best part. Yeah. Well, I'm actually teaching there solo, solo next year again. So awesome. at the end of the year, yeah, after I like pass all my, you know, true tests. So yeah. um, anyway, so yeah, my background, I um, was an athlete my whole life, volleyball, basketball player. Um, so I always had like a love and passion for moving, fitness, sports, all the above. Um, and then I wanted to go when I was deciding on what I wanted to major in college, I was like psychology. I was like, I wrote it. I'll never forget. I wrote it on my basketball. You know, they, at, the seniors have to write an intake in high school. And I wrote exactly what I wanted to be a psychologist. And my dad very, he did not mean in any sort of way. He's like, what are you going to do with psychology? And I was like, 
oh gosh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to be a counselor. I had no idea, but it just always sounded interesting. So the little mark, remark he made, I was like, well, shoot, I better find something else. And so I always knew kind of combining the two, because I still feel like a psychologist with my clients as a physical therapist, um, decided on exercise sports science my freshman year. Um, and actually, y'all are both athletic trainers. That's what my major is in. I just never did the hours on the sideline to actually get my ATC degree. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, but yeah. I have all the the coursework done. Um, and I thought at the time that like, I don't want to see blood really. And I don't want to deal with a broken bone in my face. So PT was a little bit of a safer route in that. So um, went to college in te at Texas State in San Marcos and um, played club volleyball there for a year. Uh, and then just really our um, pre PT program as an undergrad was phenomenal. I was already seeing cadavers and all that. So um, fast forward four years, graduate from Texas State, and um, I apply to one PT school, University of Texas, medical branch, and I'm like, you know what, if I get in, I get in, and if I don't, I'll go coach and teach. I was, I'm not going to, you know, really stress, stress myself out about it, and I got in. So then I went two months later off to PT school, um, and fast forward, I graduated with my master's and then followed on with my doctorate. I just stayed on, uh, I think it was like another year, a half a year program um, in 2009. So I've been a PT for a little over 10 years. Um, wow. Yeah. So when I say that, it makes me feel like, have I really been? Because it's like time just really, really flies. Um, so I spent, you know, as a PT in the beginning was kind of your traditional orthopedic outpatient clinics. Um, I look back now as to where I'm at and um, I loved it, but it was such a grind. I mean, I would see someday 16 patients a day. Yeah. So can you imagine running That's through nothing? That's what? honestly nothing compared to what some people see. It's like more than that, which is insane to me. How do you expect really? to do anything? That's why I am actually not, uh, the, the way our profession is growing and going, just say going in the insurance model. Um, really, 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 really is just devastating to, to work yeah. that hard to be a physical therapist. And then really you're just managing techs, physical therapy techs, yeah. nothing against that, but you're not there to do that. You're there to treat your patients. And like you said, you said, uh, probably, yeah, 16. So some PTs are seeing three an hour to four an hour. Yeah. No, you're just totally, or like doubling up with people or like, I mean, you're just totally completely dictated by like how you can get reimbursed for things. Yes. And, yes. Okay. What is, what is insane to me is that like, okay, so say with a certain insurance, you're expected to get 12 visits. Like what if you can get them better in less? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people need more, but in some right. ways I'm like, well, no wonder you need more because you're like working with three different people at the same time. You could barely even pay attention to them. Right. I mean, it just, it does not make sense. Doesn't make like sense. Like at all. At and all. like, how can the patients think that it makes sense? Because yeah. I mean, they don't know anything, not like that's their fault because I mean, obviously not everyone can just, you know, have an expertise in, you know, how the body works or anything like that. That's why there are physical therapists or doctors or, I mean, specializations, but it just, it, it makes me so sad. Honestly. Yeah, no, me too. It's funny because the last couple of episodes we've had PTs and it's every single person has said something about this. It's pretty funny. And it's pretty consistent too, huh? Yes. Yeah. It's very well, so like an example of what you're talking about insurance, like United Healthcare, yeah. They'll reimburse you no matter what you did. I mean, you could literally the PT see them for four hours that day. I don't know, just whatever, who would, but yeah. you will only get $65 no matter what in the state of Texas. 
and that was when, you know, that was three years ago when I was still, I still knew a little bit about insurance. And then, but if you work for a hospital and you're an outpatient hospital PT, you get better rates and then you're getting $300. So none of the independent practices can make it really anymore that are in the insurance model. Um, what's what's so, direct access like in Texas? Well, we just got what's it. The law? So we, September 1st, it was passed finally. Wow. Um, and so now we can see somebody, I think it's 10 consecutive days and then you might have to reconsult with somebody. It's, it's something okay. silly and I know it'll eventually get to a point where it's, you know, free reign, but, yeah. but don't worry, you can go see a massage therapist and acupuncturist, uh, a personal, you can see anybody <laughs> uh, off the street, but not, yeah. a yeah. you know? Yeah. So just, just so the audience knows direct access, direct access is just like a person can go and see a physical therapist before needing to like get uh, a doctor's referral. Is that Correct. a good way of explaining it? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we always could see clients first uh, for an evaluation. You just couldn't do treatment. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, the ways, not the ways around that, but with PRI, postural restoration, you know, insurance company's not going to be, well, say I want an assessment to improve my performance or my enhancement. Insurance isn't going to cover that or a management. And so that's kind of a, a good link to be able to use and kind of get through that barrier. But um, the, the bigger deal is I refer out just as much as I get in because there's sometimes that I'm not going to be able to help it. Or if I feel like there's something going on that's a little bit more pathology that I don't, that I'm not going to be able to help, boom, right to the doctor, right to wherever they need to go. I, I literally text with a sports med ortho non-surgical doc weekly because I send her whatever I feel like is something different. So it's not even a matter of um, we're trying to get more patients for our benefit or whatever. It's just like, if we can get someone in for a simple ankle sprain, then why do they have to go sit? The average wait time's 18 days to get into a primary. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's like, crazy. your ankle's They're probably healed. Tough. Yeah. By it's 18 be days later. Stiff. Yeah. It's, it's silly. It is super silly, but I didn't make the rules. So <laughs> crazy. But, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And almost not, if you're doing PRI in that type of a setting, like props mm-hmm. to you, but uh, insurance is not going to reimburse that. And so you bill Therex or neuro like you would bill something that covers oh. it. But yeah, yeah, I would because, say that's pretty neuro to me. Yeah. 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 They're not going to understand. Uh, well, yeah, that, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. But so when I was in an insurance clinic, uh, so I first got into PRI, I moved to Austin and I cold called on a clinic and, um, I mean, we're talking Austin, Texas. Yep. This looks cool. I'm going to go interview here. And that the two first PRCs in Texas were there. And wow. so, um, yeah, so it's really just kind of like a fate thing. Um, so that's how I got into it, but I'll never forget when I was working at that clinic in Austin. Um, I, insurance will do a um okay we talked about authorization okay you only get eight visits or, or sometimes it'll be like you only get three for this chronic back pain and you're like sweet all right uh i'm not jesus over here but um we'll see what we can do <laughs> so you know you'll, you'll go through this process and you'll talk to somebody who's been a pt but maybe like eight decades ago you know and i'm like okay uh well you haven't practiced in a while so let's start with that um but you'll use PRI lingo and you can't like, cause no one knows what F A I R means. Yeah. Probably most of the listeners won't know. And I get it. Cause I yeah. didn't know either, but, um, it's, it's a 
so the whole using the PRI terms you just have to be very very concrete and a little less PRI-ish. Yeah. <laughs> so. Let's let's get into that actually because Alina, I mean Alina obviously has experienced think- PRI a lot and I have definitely obtained a little bit of information from her, but I I mean I've never taken a PRI course and I guarantee you like the physical therapist that I work with didn't know what it was. Um, most people don't know what it is because it's very niche for sure. So can yeah. we get a little bit into that? Absolutely. Or like just explain um, like a layman's term of what PRI is and then and then we'll get into like more details with it. Because I've taken two courses, so yeah. I can explain the, like some of the stuff that I have taken, but I'm still so like newbie with it. And yeah. me and Megan always talk about it. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it, our conversations are funny with it. Right. Well, and then you kind of start getting into this like segregation, not purposefully, but it's like you're using these PRI lingo and then you're like, but my co-partner over there is not using them and yeah. now it's made it all weird now yeah. we're all weird. Mm-hmm. you're saying your own stuff so that's my biggest thing is like I never want us as PRI practitioners to ever be looked at as like um elitist or thinking that like we have our own separate lingo it's really not it's really because we are so specific about what's on what yeah <laughs> and so we want people to understand of what we're trying to look at so if I were to meet, like I do every single day in my practice, so I'm a referral-based practice, basically um, word of mouth. I do zero marketing, um, and I, I see about anywhere from six six to eight on a busy day. That's great. Um, about six a day, yeah, usually. Because then you uh, can give quality. Oh, my gosh, yes. And, <laughs> and the biggest thing is explaining is uh, the education on PRI is, like, actually the biggest piece. Yeah. I get, I give three exercises when people leave. I mean, that's it. You get two or three things. That's it. So when, we, when you hear the term PRI, it stands for Postural Restoration Institute. Um, I think you could choose that I out and put in interdisciplinary integration. I mean, you can put all these things because it's it, we're really looking at multiple, multiple systems with PRI. So it just happens to be that Ron Hureska, the founder, um, he was actually in dental school. And he dropped out of dental school because of the asymmetry of the way the teeth and the bites hit. And so he ended up going back through PT school. And that's been his medium that um, he's been able to kind of grow this, the, the institute, which he started in 2000. And so postural restoration is really um, looking at multiple systems in the body. So internal posturing. So we kind of think about where organs sit in the body. We think about respiration, how the diaphragm has a certain influence. We look at the nervous system. And then of course we look at muscles, like the the chains of muscles. Um, Because I think sometimes in the orthopedic world, we get really caught up in muscles and bones, muscles and bones, muscles and bones. Um, Neuro-PTs, PNF people, they definitely will uh, be the first to probably understand more what we're talking about. But if you went to PT school in the United States of America, you are orthopedically minded driven. That's how it's, it's taught um, in, the, in the orthopedic side of things. And I so will tell allopathic. you, do what? It's so allopathic, like the rest yes. of our medical system. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so when we're looking at, like when I look at someone now, and now you're going to speak to someone, you're PRI wise, I've been doing it for, I say doing it like it's like a drug or something. Um, <laughs> I've been practicing for eight to nine years now. Um, and so my, uh, the way that I've gone with it, I'm looking at everything now. I really don't even, look, I mean, I do look at the pelvis and the ribs and, but half the time I'm getting really complex things referred to me. So people that have seen some of the best that I think that are in Fort Worth, um, that for whatever reasons aren't able to get someone better. And so I get some pretty complicated cases. So I start looking at 
teeth, necks, breathing, um, just kind of some odd things that people are, well, I wouldn't really look at that on someone, you know? Um, and so we have this whole set of tests, literally from your head down to your toe. And, and I want to call them, we'll, we'll talk athletic training wise, special tests. So an Obers test where you're looking at IT band tightness, quote unquote IT band, um, is what we learned in uh, undergrad. So we do an Obers test. We don't call it Obers test because it's not, we're not looking for IT band tightness. Um, and then we'll have tests that we do through the rib cage. And then we'll have tests that we look at at the neck. And what we do with all of these things is we're just trying to see how someone's system is operating. So is their nervous system amped up all day long? Well, all I have to do is put my hands on someone's rib cage and can tell you that. People think I'm like some whisperer. Some of my patients, they're like, I'll put my hands on their rib cage and I'll kind of just feel how their ribs are moving. Most of them, 70% of the people that walk my clinic don't know how to move their ribs at all. And I'm like, oh man, are you really a type? Are, are you, um, you know, real high anxiety? Are you high? How'd you know? You know, and I'm like, uh, you did you just get out of traffic? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, but like, it's funny. People assume that they're hiding all of these things, you know, from the world. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't breathe. Your brain literally thinks that you're hyperventilating all day long. Like you, you have probably exhaled since 1999, you know, whatever. I don't know. Just run out there. <laughs> so these the, that's what's so cool about PRI is because you're not looking at just bone and a human in front of you. You're looking at how that human behaves, what, the, how their pattern, what do they do to get things done day to day. And that's, to me, you're kind of a psychologist of their body. I know that sounds weird, but I'm, I don't have a degree to treat their mind. I do refer, I refer once a week, uh, once a month probably to a counselor and then I'll do continual care. Um, and so we'll do, I'm working with a counseling group right now. Um, we've, we're trying to figure out how it's going to work, but we're measuring HRV, heart rate variability and patience and how we can really, and, and, and HRV, there's a lot linked to just overall health of that. Yeah. But how can we help these clients and these patients that yes, their back hurts, but gosh, it's so much bigger than their pain in their back. That is just, I don't really even treat pain. I will. I'll listen to them. I'll be like, oh, it hurts there. Okay. It could be your big toe. It could be your knee. It doesn't really matter where pain is. We're not really treating pain. And that's kind of, to me, PRIs, you're treating this whole system that's a human <laughs> laying in front of you that has a mind, that has a behavior, that wants to do certain things a certain way. So you, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll start to tell people, well, how's your workstation set up? You know, oh, I turn to the right every time to talk to my coworker. Oh, you know what? I always put my right foot on the ground and swing my chair to the right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think maybe that's why your knee's hurting a little bit too? Not just because the doctor said you need a lateral release because your IT band's tight. I'm just, you know, throwing random stuff oh out there. God. So um, yeah. <laughs> does that make sense a little bit with PRI? Like yes. why so much at behavior versus well, if you change, if you change behavior, you're going to change like, I mean, especially like something quote unquote insidious that someone's like, yeah, I don't know. It just started hurting like over the last couple months. Like Oh, well, did you get hit by a car? No. Okay. Well, it's probably something you're doing daily, like a yeah. little tiny movement that you don't yeah. realize is effect impacting your orthopedic system. And that's where it's manifesting. Totally. And, and now don't get me wrong. There are orthopedic diagnoses for sure. Yes. It hurts pinpoint right here. That's a meniscus tear. Mm -hmm. Yes. In my labor, when I do a little Faber's old orthopedic test, you have a labral tear. Yes. I'm not saying, I don't want to ever say that that's not a case. You have a torn ACL. However, you did not get that unless you got hit by a car or you're an athlete. I work with quite a bit of athletes and there's a traumatic 
But when we're talking non-contact things or things that, mm-hmm. like you said, insidious, I mean, I will go back to someone's like 20 years ago. Oh yeah. I did fall when I was cheerleading on the back of my head. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Your body keeps mm-hmm. score. Like your body mm-hmm. definitely yeah. keeps score. No, I don't, I don't think it was that. Yeah. Yeah. It actually is because this is what has happened now. 20 years later when your head got shifted mm-hmm. forward and then you got put braces on and then someone locked you up in that pattern. And here you are trying to do left and right, you know, bilateral movement, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. your system's, you know, all out of whack of stairs or whatever. So a lot of times I'll, um, dig into people's past. I know I always creeps them out. I mean, especially because I'll just be like, as a child, did you breastfeed? And they're like, I I don't know. I got to call my mom. (laughs) Like, well, I just need to know. And then I, you know, but everybody knows I'm weird. That's like, we kind of, I don't know what she does, but it's really weird. Uh, but she's smart. So I, yeah, go see her. Okay. So, <laughs> well, the weirdness know. fits right in with us. So it's all cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about like the actual patterns. Just um, maybe just go over what left AIC yeah. is so yeah. that people can understand and maybe PEC. For sure. Um, So, um, yeah, yeah, this is back to like the lingo game, right? And the reason we do this is because we are very specific in what we see in front of us. And when you, when you start doing manual or, um, stretching someone, or, you know, if you're a body worker in general, we want to know before you start doing a lot of stuff to this system or personal training, someone strength training, someone, what is their body actually do? What position is it in? Cause you can't really rely on your eyes. Your eyes are, will tell you what you think you want to see. <clears throat> and so the left AIC is every human that walks, unless you have, it's called, um, in situ, I might mess this up in situ where your organs are actually flipped. Oh, yeah. So there is a small percentage of that. And then when you move a two to three pound liver on your right side over to your left side, things could potentially change on that end. So um, the left AIC stands for left anterior interior chain. So when we're talking about chains, those are in links to muscles. So you've got muscles, obviously, from your head all the way down to your toe. And so PRI breaks it up. We look at a chain of muscles above, neck and above. We look at it through your ribcage, shoulder, and then pelvis and below. And these certain chains of muscles get put into positions based on our pattern. And a left AIC, what that is telling us is the big, 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 big disclaimer here is the diaphragm puts us into a left AIC pattern. So we have a diaphragm. We actually have two. We actually have way more than two, but we're going to talk about the, the, the diaphragm that's sitting underneath in our rib cage. You have a right hemisphere and you got a left hemisphere. The right hemisphere, I, I literally have a picture in my office. I have this little come to Jesus talk. We sit on the bench. We look at it. Mm-hmm. I talk to my patients about it and it pulls you over to the right. You look at it, it attaches about, well, that some cadavers they're finding L4. I mean, it attaches to your lower back. Yeah. So if you're not talking about breathing and you're treating spines, hello. Um, and so then on the left side, you're down L1 through L2. And so the right central tendon is larger and the whole dome is larger. It has the liver to actually use a surface area. It pulls and orients our, orients our body over to the right side. So what follows with that is our spine orients, our pelvis, our left psoas, which attaches to the spine as well, um, starts to pull that left anonymate forward. So it pairs up with that right diaphragm. There's not another muscle in our body that works 22,000 times a day. 
besides our diaphragm, which is hardwired to our brain. So it's not a choice. I didn't wake up and be like, yeah, I think I'm going to leave my diaphragm at home today. I'm not going to work it out today. Like you don't have a choice. It's working 20,000 times a day, 25 if you're an athlete and running. Um, and so it basically kind of pulls you into this pattern. That's where we found the left AIC. And so the anterior into your chain, you got two of them. You got a right side. We'd love it if the right side would show up a little bit, but until you turn off that left side, that's propulsion, um, working all the time, keeping you forward on your left hip, your left pelvis, you're not, you're really not going to be able to successfully activate the other chain. And so that's why we call it a left AIC pattern. So that left AIC pattern is composed of um, about seven muscles. And so they're all connected. So your diaphragm, which blends into your psoas, which blends it down into the TFL, your vastus lateralis, um, all of those guys work together to keep you in that pattern. There's nothing wrong with that pattern. That's just standing on your right leg. That's great. That's left AIC is beautiful until you have to get back to your left leg. That's, that's when it needs to just say, okay, I need to tone you down a little, turn on the right AIC, but if you never dial down the left AIC, you can't turn on the other leg. So then walking, you're really sitting in almost like an idle position oriented over that right leg, that right side. And that's, that's uh, our brains put us there as well. Our brains are lateralized. So our left brain develops with more neuromotor points on our right side. So if you've ever worked with a left-handed person, they're like, oh, oh, but I'm left-handed. And like, it doesn't matter. You do, you literally have more neuromotor points. Like we can't change that. That's, that's science. Um, but I bet you as a lefty, you're really good with your right hand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I bat right. I throw right. I, or, you know, I write with my right. Lefties are ambidextrous. Most righties give them something in their left hand and it's like four knobs. Like this guy, I don't even know what to do with him. Yeah. So I try, I dry needle my, some of my clients and I cannot use a needle on my left hand. It's the most frustrating, terrible thing, but I understand. I get it. So, um, yeah, so that's the left AIC. Does that, any questions on that? I have a question. So for, for figuring out all this stuff back when PRI started, do they like look at cadavers and like tonicity in muscle groups? Or is this all just like based on theory because we know that the orientation of the organs is a certain way. And so we know that like we could feel that people are tighter or something. I'm not, I just, how do they, what's the research behind that? So a little bit of both. Um, Ron, the founder, he actually started in the mouth. I mean, looking at and seeing how sympathetics are driven, can be driven from how teeth hit. It's pretty insane when you go down that path um, and start studying that stuff. But he does look at a ton of cadavers. There, There's so many that you have to look at to actually pass to say, uh, you have to have like, he was looking at uh, the collarbone. Mm-hmm. And you find like a walnut on one side where you're seeing the stress. And so you have to find so mm-hmm. many say that that's like a thing um, in cadavers. Yeah. He, he does look at cadavers for sure, but his primary work was actually with amputees and strokes in the beginning. And so oh, with amputees, you take someone's arms and legs away and you figure out how they can move their pelvis and thorax. Like those are the most efficient movers you will ever find. You give us arms and legs and we get all sorts of screwed up. I mean, pelvis and thorax is your game. And so um, that's where he started his work, but he compiled tests to check all of these things. But really, um, so article-wise, there's a plethora of resources on postural restoration about um, the diaphragm and how it actually pulls. I mean, there's, there's 
under each course, probably 25 articles that back up this. It just took a really long time to get it all there. So mm -hmm. Ron designed these tests to prove what he was seeing in all of his clients. But yeah, he started with amputees first, which is cool. wild. He's the pattern. brilliant. Like he taught my first class and I was just like, yeah. I have to take this again. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a thing. we always joke. I mean, that's why Ron, I'm the newest faculty member. There's, there's, um, nine of us, I think I'm the 10th in the United States that are teaching the primary, right? We have affiliate courses and then we've got one in Japan and, um, I, we hope, I mean, I hope he's teaching it. I would never know. Cause I don't speak Japan. I'm just kidding. He's teaching, <laughs> doing well, but, um, he's like kind of trans translatory. Yeah. Um, so Ron, um, Ron is one of the most humble, caring people I've ever met in my life. Like when we met about doing the faculty position, he pulls out this whole folder and he had like, he's like, well, we've been watching you. And I'm like, Oh, that's not creepy at all. And so he pulls out like my webpage and all this stuff. And, but then like we talk PRI for a good portion, but then he's like, so tell me about your dad. Tell me about your mom. Tell me about your family. He's more, he wants to know about you as a human. Like, and that's how he is. He's just so passionate. He just wants people to, and I think in my, in my, these are my words, not his, but the medical world to work together more. I mean, that's really what he's all about. If we can stop really trying to treat pain all the time and just start trying to treat function and, um, you know, the, the human person. as a whole. Yeah. He's, he's phenomenal. And I always encourage if no one's ever met him, you know, definitely that he's somebody that you'd want to take. He's just spoke at the airway summit. Which wow. Is very yeah. And so we work a lot with airways. So, which is a huge thing, uh, sleep apnea, um, which a lot of people suffer and there's a, there's a big, well, that's a whole nother, yeah, that'd be a whole nother podcast topic, but, um, where, you know, maybe don't run away or run to the doctor and immediately get in a mask to sleep the rest of your life. Like maybe we can shut that neck off a little bit and alter your airway, you know, or change some things the way your teeth hit so your jaw can move. And so those are the, the, the more, uh, down the line PRI things as you get into the thick of the courses, not your primary courses. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, and then the PEC was the only thing we didn't cover. Yeah. We could talk a little bit about PEC too. Yeah. So PEC is a left AIC. Right. So I think I'm talking to a PEC right now. I'm yep. looking out. Probably two. <laughs> okay. Probably two. Okay. Can we explain what those letters are, please? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the P, the, remember the AIC is an anterior interior chain. So okay, it's left. It. We're just saying this chain of muscles on this human is driving your show. A PEC is a posterior ex exterior chain. And I always just, you can write under PEC extension. You live in a system of extension. So PECs um, generally are more of your barrel chested. You'll see kind of, you can kind of start to pick them out, but sometimes they're really petite, long, narrow um, females. And what the deal is, it's really managing airflow. They're poor at managing airflow. So uh, on a left AIC, you know, we talked about the pelvis dipping forward, the left rib cage, we've got a rib cage that sits on top of that pelvis will actually come forward as well. Well, on a PEC, right pelvis comes forward, not as much as the left, and both ribs are up and they can't exhale for the life of them. Backs are tight, backs are locked up, anterior necks are on. Um, so then you get into patho pathology and then they've overstretched their hamstrings to make sure that they can still function uh, and do the, the tasks that they want to do. So PCs are not really that different. It's just mm -hmm. in the beginning, you might have to do, you know, look at things a, a little different, but they're still a left AIC underneath. Yeah. So when you think of a PC, think of somebody that's back is really locked out, 
real tight. And I, and I don't mean to throw this into the CrossFit section because I, I really don't mean that. I just, when I look at a CrossFit person, I usually think PEC. Yeah. Open scissor. Yeah. <laughs> People might understand that term, I think. Okay, there it you sounds go. like the same thing to me. Yeah. Quad dominant, loves the quads, loves their lower back, loves calves. Like I have people that are like, yeah, look how big my calves are. And I'm like, yeah, because yeah, their glutes don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. They're literally keeping you from falling over because your weight is so shifted forward in the balls of your feet that you have no idea where the ground is. Yeah. And you don't know where the ground is because you are literally hyperinflated and you're about to float away if we don't get you on the ground soon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there's so many terms, but those are like, I feel like the two ones that are covered in the primary courses. So yeah, yeah. And and, well, the rib cage has its own pattern. Yeah. Chain. But um, yeah, I guess I'm kind of speaking more to myokin, which is the pelvis and the lumbar, because I think that's a good, it's a great place to start. But the bigger thing to know is that the diaphragm connects the thorax to the pelvis. So if, if we're not ever talking about the diaphragm, I think we're missing function altogether mm. as a human. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of people that are really good at what they do and they're not talking about the diaphragm. I've had conversations mm-hmm. and they're really blatant honest. They're like, hey, I appreciate that you like the diaphragm so much. Um, it's just not in my wheelhouse. These are mm-hmm. people that are training Olympic athletes. I mean, coaches been to the Olympics. It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I just want people to know more about it if I could. Yeah. <laughs> my life easier. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, like in Lincoln, Ron has like a whole little community. Mm-hmm. And I know we were talking about it on our airport ride, like how you're trying to get that set up and how, like, what would, what would be ideal for you for what yeah. your practice is? And, right. Um, well, ideal would be all under one roof. Like right now, Texas is a big state. We know that. Um, yeah. And so my orthodontist is in Frisco and you'll be, you'll be like, well, that's not that far. It takes an hour and a half to get there. <laughs> like mileage wise, door to door, probably 50 if there's no traffic, but easily an hour and a half. So he's a functional orthodontist. I have one patient in braces with him. Um, his symptoms down his entire body started when he got his braces off at, I think he was uh, 17. He got his braces off and he's been in pain. He saw so many people for seven years and it was driving him insane. And finally I looked at him, I'm like, dude, this is coming, you're locked in and your teeth, like your neck won't let go. And so I'm not a dentist nor an orthodontist. I just know a neck that is in a pattern that someone set it in with teeth uh, that to stay in that pattern can have it. Cause if you have it hard to utilize the other half of your body. And so he's going through braces right now. So that's my ortho that's there. I also have an ortho now in Fort Worth that I'm working with orthodontist. Um, my dentist, uh, I have a dentist. We, we work together probably once every two weeks. I have somebody going to him. I mean, that's how prevalent it is. But remember, once again, I'm seeing some stuff that is complicated. Um, and not that they're, it, uh, like I saw a hip replacement, so she's in her fifties. I saw her three times and I was like, look, I can't help you anymore. She's like, but I feel so good when I do the exercise. It just doesn't last. I said, cause it's coming from your neck. So if you don't go see my dentist to take mm-hmm. you out of your bite, to let your neck get better or to let mm-hmm. it be able to get out of the pattern, your, your hips going to feel the same every single day. And mm-hmm. so she was like, well, yeah, my neck's tight every single day. You have no idea how many people live with neck tension and they think it's normal. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's really cool. She got her mouthpiece and her hip is like rocking and rolling. Like it's, mouth appliance. So she wears it on her bottom teeth. And, um, so my dentist, I cannot live without, he actually presented him and Dr. Chang both came up to Lincoln with us in April. 
Um, so then I have two colleagues in Coppell. She uh, runs a clinic there. And then um, I have a psychologist or a counselor that I refer to. And then I have an optometrist. So he and I have been working together for about a year. Um, and we're still kind of playing the, how, figuring it out together, you know, how to, to get on board. So um, optometry, a lot of times, um, just as you have torsion and, and curvature, you actually have it in your eyeballs too. And so mm -hmm. when temporal bones get in certain positions in your cranium, it's going to alter what your eye muscles do. I'm just kind of trying to talk in the layman's terms. Yeah, please. When you're in a pattern in your head and your cranium, your visual system learns that pattern. So um, I need him. A lot of times I've had people, unfortunately, that have had LASIK. So they got corrected in that pattern. So their eyes tell them that they're still here. And I'm not saying mm. that you feel like that. It's just, it's a small, um, it, it's just tests that we do that I know that that's how you're processing your world via your neck. So I don't, did that, did I just go a little bit overboard, Megan? <laughs> No, no, I got all that. I'm not okay. sure everyone else will, but <laughs> I like it. I, I thought think it was it's cool. interesting. Okay. Well, I, I remember, I think, I don't know if the, most of the audience probably won't even know if you put your, your fingers like on the white where your skull meets your neck and you move your eyes around, you could feel a oh, little yeah, bit of yeah. muscle change. Yeah. Like I don't, I didn't know that until maybe three years ago. And so that, that just tells you every time you're down, looking down at your phone or like, you know, your C1, C2 way, I mean, yeah, yeah. Your, your neck is changing just a little bit and that's enough. You know, your head weighs a lot. So yeah. your neck is going to need to hold your head up more than it's going to get tight. Yeah. And devices yeah. are like slowly killing us all. Yes. <laughs> so, unfortunately, um, me too. I, I have had to break in it. Like, I thought I was gonna have to go to therapy for it, but I had an addiction to Candy Crush, like the game on my iPad. Oh my and I, like, I'm on like level 2000. I'm not kidding. And this was maybe actually 2,500 something. And so I have since put it away because I'll do it every time I traveled and you know, I'm like, Oh, it's only like an hour or two or three that you're staring at it. It's uh, sucked yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. So, oh uh, I personally, like, I personally struggle with it. I lecture, I treat a lot of athletes and I lecture every single one of them. And I'm like, look, I'm with you. I am struggling with you on this. We live in a mm -hmm. world. I mean, I struggle to make a social media post once a month, you know? And yeah. so, um, it's the whole tech world is probably not the best for us in our nervous system. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Well, and just putting you in like sympathetic, like reactive mode yes. too. Yes. Overdrive. Yeah. Yes. And I'm it's very worried about the future of our yeah generation on that because they're getting them in their hands at like age three. It's yeah. crazy. You go to restaurants now and they're sitting there on their iPad screen. They can't interact with family members near them they're not looking back and forth moving their eyes because they're just looking at the screen i just i was reading that um kids have spent more than like an hour or or whatever it was like a certain amount of time on devices from a young age they end up having a lot less brain development which i mean that makes total sense yeah i mean it's probably super developed in some places but then i mean your social skills are completely different um they're not like playing solving is different Right. You yeah. should go outside and play. The connection to your body is different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no fine motor development either. Yeah. You're literally touching. You're not sensing. You're not feeling. You're not mm -hmm. turning a page. You don't have to grip anything. You're literally like poking and you get your instant gratification. And if you don't get it, you get angry. Yeah. And so if you, take, you see parents take the device away. All of a sudden the kid is just like ticked off. You would have thought that they yeah. hit yeah. him or pinched him, you know, and it's like, nope, nope. Just the sympathetic drive is out of this world and your child now. To that and, and they're three like great yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have talks all the time, but about this with the clients, but it's, um, I think it's an uphill battle. I don't know. I, I don't know that it'll ever change to be honest. Yeah. So. Usually people don't like to be proactive with things. Right. Right. Or they think like the whistleblowers are like just being lame or whatever. When we're like, no, we just have foresight, <laughs> but that's fine. Come back to me in 20 years when yeah. your records. Right. And it's actually science. I mean, it's like yeah. science brain development, but you know, cause I'm a, I'm a fact person. I like to know facts and I like to know why. And so obviously that's why I'm on the, the PRI journey and have been for a really long time. So, uh, cause when you start to see stuff, you can't unsee it. Yeah. I always tell people, I'm like, don't take a PRI course. If you don't want to take 50 PRI courses, like <laughs> you'll be like me. I had to, uh, I just, I'm sending in my CV, my curriculum. I don't know. It's a Latin word. Vitae. Vitae. Yeah. Vitae. Yeah. Um, I definitely wouldn't have said it that way. Uh, <laughs> I had to my dad's a professor. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. And then I put some country twang on it too, but, um, I love it. I miss that twang. <laughs> too. Oh, cause y'all went to school in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very nice. We had a lot of Texans there, actually. Oh, from Texarkana. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of our classmates were from Texas. Yeah. What's really funny, though, is when I, like, you just said Texarkana, and I hear you say that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that sounds redneck. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, here we are. Well, <laughs> this, the word itself is just like, is that a real place, really? Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely beautiful, actually, East Texas. Um. Yeah, so I had to take a picture of all my binders because I have to put every course I've been in. But basically, they just want to make sure you're, you know, oh, that, that people will get continuing education credit by coming to my course. Like, you're qualified. Like, you didn't just, you know, get a weekend certificate at 7-Eleven. Like, you know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> I had to take a picture of all of them. And every time I was taking a picture, I was like, oh, my, you are such a nerd. Like, I mean, I, and when I was first taking them, I was having to fly all over. They didn't have them in Texas. And I say first, like, it was so many years ago. But PRI has come a very long way in eight years. Like, yeah. literally very, very, very long way. You could only get, like, three courses a year in the South at all, you know. So, oh. fly to Arizona, Florida, wherever. Um, so, yeah, it's come a long way. But, um, and then, you know, everyone, I, well, assumption wise, I always feel like, oh, it's PRI or nothing, you know, and um, not PRI or nothing, but like you're a purist. And what I always kind of say to that is I'll always have a lens of PRI when I look at a body, but that doesn't mean that if I feel like I need a muscle to turn off yesterday faster mm -hmm. than I want to wait on my PRI or to actually retrain it, I, I can put a needle in that if I wanted to. I mean, I, I use it all in remarks to, or in, uh, in regards to PRI, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the lens of what my eyes look at. Mm -hmm, and I'm mm -hmm. telling you, once you take one course and you start seeing a human walk in with a lowered right shoulder and everything is like, ah, that makes sense. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. You know, people still stump me a little bit, but most of the time we're really not that drastically different <laughs> as humans. Yeah. yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. What, um, because the courses are so complex, like I've only taken two and they've blown my mind and I'm going to continue taking them within the next yeah like slowly, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. what advice would you have for somebody who's either like thinking about taking a course or has taken one and wants to continue on? Yeah. So, um, I would say the order of it would be, um, the myokin course first and then the postural respiration second. Um, and then pelvis would probably be a third pelvis reinforces myokin just with uh, newer lingo and you're, you're focusing, you know, on the pelvis a little bit more or less of the a femur um 
in that class. And I would say, um, if you can find a mentor, like find somebody, I'm actually thinking about doing a mentorship next year. Uh, like Do an it. online. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a few people come up and tell me that. Yeah. So, um, but where I'm going to meet with them once a month, but they're going to have access to me all the time. And I'm, I haven't fully gotten all my works out of how I'm going to do it yet. Uh, because I also have to train for being a faculty member too and run a business. So uh, I'm going to somehow, oh, and I'm planning a wedding. So try to get all that. Yeah. All that Congrats. Thank you. Uh, You're like our third guest that's been planning a wedding. That's Everyone's so getting married. Congratulations. Oh, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm going to get that out. But what I would say is seek people in your area because I think the hands-on, I meet with groups. I mean, I meet with mentor groups here in Fort Worth of practitioners that might have been out longer than I have, but just haven't done known PRI. So um, pretty much there's someone in a geographic area, you know, now that you could get to, especially New York. And then Megan, you're in not Seattle. Seattle. Well, York, Tacoma. Yeah. It's like, it's south of Seattle. About yeah. An hour. Seattle has a plethora of PRI peeps. Mm-hmm. Um, and in New York, obviously yeah. that's like Ron's new favorite place. He's like, he was in New York last week. We had a faculty meeting. He wasn't on it and it's cause he was in New York city. So he works with a lot of voice coaches now. Like yeah. So interesting. Airway and yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Always onto something cool. But, um, so I think the biggest thing would be finding a mentor after you've taken a few classes. Um, PRI does have a list of them on their website. Um, but even if, you know, you have someone that has only taken two or three, y'all can talk it over. I think two brains is always better than one. Three is always better than two, you know, and so on. Um, I was fortunate that I was kind of, when I started taking them, I had somebody who was newbie with me going through it. And we had a PRC to ask if we needed And then uh, I'll tell you, I actually learned the most when I went out on my own by myself. When I moved back to Fort Worth, I live in Fort Worth, uh, from Austin, that's where I really had to have the accountabilities. Like, no, you don't have, you know, him over there to go ask, like you find the answer, you figure it out. So, um, and it starts to piece together the more courses you take. So, yeah, but I think the other big thing is don't rush it. Like I took five years before and I decided to get certified after five years. I see people try to take them all in a year and a half. And I'm like, man, I, unless you're just a full-time student and studying and you have that time, but working too as well, like that's, that's a lot to try to get the topic. So I, I'd I'd say, you know, take the course, get comfortable with myokin, test every patient that walks in your door or or client strength, strength training, you know, um, and start to just get a feel for what things is. I mentored a group last week. Um, that have taken two or three courses, two maybe. And we had to go, you know, we went over the Obers test, the simple adduction drop to figure out if a pelvis is in a certain position. And um, they all had a little bit of, well, oh, I thought I was doing it this way. I thought I was doing it right. You know, and so that helped. It cleaned it up for them. And um, now they're back on their way again and retesting and retesting. So, you know, just like any repetition and surround yourself. I always say never be the smartest in the room. (laughs) So all my mentors at PRI, I'm always like leeches, you know, trying to figure out like, what are they saying next? Like what's, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, that's always been like a good piece of advice to me too. From me. No, that's, that's great. Thank you. Okay. One last question. What is something that you do every day to move your brain and or move your body? Oh, very nice. Um, so I, the group where my office is, is in a large sports complex. And so we've got like six basketball courts, 12 sand volleyball courts, you know, batting cages, pins. And then we have this large, um, workout facility as called that, but it's called APEC, A-P-E-C. 
and they're out of Tyler and then they recreated one the same and put it in Fort Worth. And so that's where, where I work with a lot of the athletes. Um, we have all the way from like kindergarten to professional that work out oh, there. Cool. And so, yeah, like right now we have major league baseball that's training there. Um, and I'll see, you know, I'm seeing a few of the guys from there just for certain things like tweaks. And, and I took a baseball course with the diamondbacks years ago. And so, um, my love for sports is kind of pretty high. So they also, in addition to all their athlete stuff, they offer adult course classes. And so they do um, power, strength, and cardio in every single class. So we have like a 10 to 15 movement warm up, and then we go through a power series, and then we go through a strength series, and at the end we do a high intensity interval training. So cool. I do that three to four times a week. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of my body movement. I've always worked out since I was 14. I, if I don't, I kind of go crazy. Same. So yeah, <laughs> I used to try to run. I did a marathon, half marathon, trying to fall in love with it. I absolutely hate it. Uh, I don't like running over three miles. I don't see the point of it for whatever reasons. And, um, that's nothing to runners. I just try to make myself love it and I don't, and I'm kind of mad. I don't, I guess maybe that's why, but, uh, so I'll do that. And then for my brain, I like puzzles. So I actually like work puzzles, like legit, like on a table, old school cardboard puzzles. Like once every few months I'll do a puzzle. Um, and then, um, I would say also I will, if going through a tough time, I have, uh, I'll go to counseling if I need to for my brain. So I like to work things out if something gets stressful, or overwhelming. So I'd probably say I talk to my counseling friend, you know, once every you know, four or five months if I need just some like honest to good feedback. And mm -hmm. so he's got his master's and he's working on his PhD in traumatology, which cool. is super cool. Interesting. So he's like a great resource. Yeah. But I'm a really big proponent of mental health um, yep. in regards to that. So I would say, yeah, that's, that's where my brain and body movers. That's awesome. Cool. I like that it. was yeah. perfect. You, you, yeah. That was great. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah thank you. Well, thank for having me guys. I hope I helped out a little bit with any PRI stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Obviously if y'all have further questions, you know, feel free to email me or message okay. me. Whatever. Oh, where can people find Definitely you? Will. Um, do you mean like, what do you mean? Yeah. Instagram, social whatever. Media. Social oh, media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they um, want to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. So my Instagram is, um, prism P R I S M. That's the name of my business dot D P T. Um, I'm not, I'll probably get a little bit more active on social media in January. We'll be working with the NFL combine. So I'm going to have a PT student along. And uh, so we'll, we'll document some of that, which is pretty cool. It's the guys training for the NFL um, for eight weeks. And um, so I will have more fun stuff then, but right now it's probably looks a little boring, but you can message me on that. Or my web page is uh, prismpt.com. So www.prismpt.com. And I, I'm on Facebook too. So. Perfect. Cool. Prism, Fort Worth, Dallas, Fort Worth. That should come up. Awesome. So, yeah. Cool. Thank you Thank so you, much, Casey. Yes, it was good talking to you, Lena. Nice to meet you too, Megan. Nice to meet you too. All right. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. Join in every week as we release new episodes. Subscribe or leave us a rating at Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or topics you'd like us to cover, please email moveyourbb at gmail.com or send us a message at our Instagram handles at megz 72 and at alinacanner.